بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما جهلنا وذكرنا ما نسينا وزدنا علما ونعوذ بك من حال أهل النار وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين uh, continuing with our lesson on Nasr, which is the abrogation of verses, uh, we covered uh, some part of this discussion. And just to uh, recap, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in the Quran that the verses, yeah, He has revealed certain verses, and on certain occasions, according to His will, for the benefit of uh, the Ummah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends another rev- uh, revelation and wahi in order for them <coughs> to be able to practice on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for them in that particular state. So uh, a verse might come while the Sahaba were in a particular condition and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them an instruction. Thereafter, as they become firm on that particular instruction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends, reveals another verse, uh, takes them to the next level of uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for them. Uh, these are just some examples. The one example which is before us now is something we did touch on and that is... Uh, the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kutiba alaykum idha hadara ahadakum al-mawt Prescribed for you when death approaches one of you if he leaves wealth. So this particular verse, it tells the mu'min to bequest for pray, uh, the parents and near relatives according to what is acceptable. A duty upon the righteous. Haqqan ala al-muttaqeen. So this was the initial instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when a person uh, before leaving this world the, it is your duty to make a bequest, a wasiyah, that who of your family members will inherit what from your estate. But thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed another verse in which the heirs have been mentioned in great detail. This is only one, one part of that uh, section of inheritance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the mu'mineen of his instruction, Allahu fi awladikum, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to your offspring and the details of how the estate will be uh, distributed has been mentioned in this verse. And you can see at the bottom the hadith in Abu Dawood where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, La wasiyyatali So there was one verse, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a detailed verse explaining what the mother would get, what the father would get, what the children would get in the estate. And to clarify the matter, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, La wasiyyata liwarithin, there will be no uh, bequest, there's no wasiyya. So a person can't say, okay, from my estate, um, half of my estate will go to my mother, or half of my estate will go to my father, or half of my estate will go to my one son, or half will go to a daughter. Nor can a parent also say that I, I, I disown this child, you're not going to get anything, because the wealth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is what Allah has entrusted a person with. So this verse clarifies the entire aspect of, uh, of inheritance. And this is something which Rasulullah has emphasized as well, that we ensure that uh, we have our, our orders and our financial matters uh, in place so that when we leave this world, uh, we do not uh, result in or we do not uh, cause any type of uh, injustice to any family member or any person who should be benefiting from what Allah has given us. The 
This is another example where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala initially instructed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to stand in the night prayer. Ya ayyuhal muzzammil. O you al muzzammil is a person who wraps himself up in his clothing, in his shawl, in his mantle. Qumil layla illa qalila. Qum, stand up and arise uh, at, at the night vigil and the night uh, prayer, except for a little. In other words, most of the night, this is what the verse is saying. Then clarifying, nisfahu, half of it. Awin qusminhu qalila, or subtract a little from half. So which means a half or little less than half was the instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aw zid alayhi, or you can add more than half if you wish. Waratilil Qur'an tartila, and recite the Qur'an with measured recitation. Tartil means measured correct recitation in the Arabic language. So this verse, now, this is why many of the scholars say that Rasulullah sallallahu it was, being a Nabi, he had an additional responsibility to ensure that he performs salatul tahajjud, qiyamul layl, was upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But then we see the, another, the next verse in the same surah, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ تَقُومُ أَدْنَا مِنْ ثُلُثَيِ اللَّيْلِ most certainly your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he knows that you stand أَنَّكَ تَقُومُ أَدْنَا مِنْ ثُلُثَيِ اللَّيْلِ That you stand in salah almost two-thirds of the night. This is where the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, one Sahabi says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was performing salah, and then he started Surah Baqarah, and I, and I decided to join him. And then he said, oh, he was coming to the end of Surah Baqarah, which is in the third juz. And he said, uh, I thought, okay, he's going to go into Ruku'. And then he started Surah Al-Imran. In fact, in the hadith, he's mentioned Surah Nisa and then Surah Al-Imran. But in any case, he started the next surah. And uh, then I thought he's going to finish that next long surah, and he started the next surah. And this was how Rasulullah stood in salah to such an extent that his feet would become swollen. And um, this he did out of gratitude for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah is aware that you stand almost two-thirds of the night, or half of it, or third of it. And um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَطَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ مَعَكَ There's a group of sahaba who also do the same thing with you. وَاللَّهُ يُقَدِّرُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who determines the extent of the night and day. He shortens the, the night in, in summer and he lengthens it in winter. And um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has known that the Muslims will not be able to do it perpetually. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has turned to you in forgiveness. فَتَابَ عَلَيْكُمْ The word tawbah in Arabic means to return. When a person disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then, and he repents. So it's as if he is telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my act of disobedience was as I was turning away from you and I'm turning back to your obedience. فَتَابَ عَلَيْكُمْ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has turned to you in forgiveness. So recite what is easy for you of the Qur'an. فَقْرَأُوا مَا تَيَسَّرَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ So this part of the verse tells you that that initial instruction of half the night or little more than half the night, that no longer is in place. But this verse now clarifies that that was a temporary instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us the tawfiq to perform Qiyamul Layl. Qiyamul Layl is a salah of the special people. And the ulama say that if you want to achieve Qiyamul Layl and Tahajjud, there is one discounted tahajjud that we can perform. Mullah Ali Qari rahimahullah, the famous Hanafi jurist and muhaddith, he says that um, uh, if you perform your salatul witr, okay, and after your witr salah, you perform two rakats of salah at night with a niyyah of tahajjud. And um, if you wake up, you, you, 
make a determination that you would wish to perform the salah at that time. But if not, that two rakats of salah would then still uh, place you in amongst the list of people who performed qiyamul layl and tahajjud at that night. So even if it's just two rakats of, of salah. And um, Rasulullah sallallahu said that the salat al-tahajjud is da'bu salihin is the habit of the salihin, which means that if a person <coughs> wakes up for tahajjud, now is a month of Sha'ban, we should make, may Allah give me first, all of us tawfiq, to, to try to wake up the night is long. So if we do uh, have the intention, we make the, the uh, tahajjud salah, then our name is now entered into the list of salihin, because it's a habit, even if you're not the salihin, we're not the pious people, but your name is now entered into the list of the salihin. And you know what's the benefit of being in, having your name in that list? The benefit of having your name in the list of the salihin is that according to the amount of Muslims making salah, that's how much reward you get. And the proof for that is in the salah you say at-tahiyyatu when you're reciting As-salamu alayka ayyuhal nabiyyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillah As-salihin so every musalli making dua, he's making dua for the salihin, for whoever's name is on that list. You know, so if we can just, even before we sleep at night, start from Man Abdul Hamisa from Azadwan, he gives a beautiful example. He says, if you can't get biryani, then dal is also okay. You can have some simple food. If you can't get the five-star meal, make it, take advantage of the, of, of the simple. So it's a simple uh, um, method for us, and an easy method for us in which we can gradually build up into uh, having our names in the list of the Salihin. Sayyidina Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, he used to say the famous couplet of his, أُحِبُّ الصَّالِحِينَ وَلَسْتُ مِنْهُمْ لَعَلَّ اللَّهَ يَرْزُقُنِي الصَّلَاحَ He said, I love pious people, although I'm not pious. But the hope is that by loving them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make me also amongst the pious. So one is loving pious people, but you need to do something also in the first step, inshallah. And obviously this is after the fara'id. Okay, a person cannot acquire friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you're missing the fard salah. So a person making tahajjud and missing isha, uh, that doesn't make sense. It's like giving, giving nafil sadaqah and not, not uh, giving zakah. Okay, why does this topic of naskh, of verses becoming abrogated or not, why does it concern us? So a few things we understand. As Muslims, we believe in taqdeer. Taqdeer means the perfect knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, predestination. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly uh, what he wants from his servants. Everything is within the, the ilm of Allah. Ahata bi kulli shay'in ilma. Now, this is the verse of the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his knowledge is all-encompassing. There is nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't know. And after some time, he realized something, na'udhu billah. So... The difficulty that the Yahud and the Mu'tazila, which we discussed last week, had with the, the aspect of, of uh, abrogation of verses was they felt that if a verse is revealed and another verse is revealed thereafter with another type of ruling from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is a type of defect because it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a particular ruling and I changed his mind to give another ruling. Whereas we explained, this is not the changing of the mind of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, na'udhu billah, his ilm is perfect. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the convenience and for the tarbiyah, the nurturing and upbringing of, of the spiritual upbringing of the sahaba radiallahu anhum and the, the people who were in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah in his perfect knowledge ultimately knows in his, in his eternal and his uh, beginningless knowledge and his perfect knowledge knows exactly what was to occur 
and what is the requirement, what he wants to give to the, the ummah, but he knows also the weakness and the feebleness of the ummah. So changing um, conditions has got nothing to do with Allah changing his mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a system. Now we're entering into the season of, of winter. In the northern hemisphere, they, they're entering into the, into the summer season. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is changing it. It's got nothing to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not being sure, na'udhu billah, what season he wanted. It's a system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. In our lives, it seems to be something which is alternating and something which is different. But for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is absolutely no change. So those who do not have iman, they do not believe in taqdeer and and uh, predestination in the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would have a difficulty in understanding the concept of naskh and abrogation. Uh, the second, obviously, problem would be with the, the people who do not have iman is that they do not believe the Qur'an is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that was the allegation against Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he has fabricated it from his own side and then the, the Qur'an responded on various occasions which we discuss in some of the lessons in the beginning uh, challenge them to present if it is something so easily prepared then why don't you prepare a verse, prepare 10 verses, prepare a surah uh, which could then challenge this uh, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is presenting so the Quran Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did not prepare it from his own side he did not give it from his own, it was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore he had no um, there was no tempering from his side, it is completely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ilm and his knowledge is perfect as are all his attributes and qualities. And this is part of the creed of the Muslimin of Ahlul Sunnah, which we did touch on previously, that all the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect. And they do not resemble the attributes of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when uh, we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is qadir, Allah has got qudra, then his qudra is... Um, Unlike the physical strength and power that we have, it is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does as he wills. Uh, and likewise, all the other sifat and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his seeing and his hearing, all perfect, they do not require body parts, they do not require um, any ears or eyes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from all those uh, resemblance of his creation. So if um, this is... So if a person now objects to the concept of nasq, which is something uh, which is resurfacing now in academic circles, I've come across some uh, um, type of scholars, modern scholars, who are Muslim, but they, they question the, the concept of nasq. They say that uh, uh, exactly the same arguments which were presented centuries ago by the Mu'tazila and the Yahud, they say, well, that is a, that is a defect if somebody... If you say a verse was, was revealed. Um, and we, as we, you saw the example, sometimes there's another verse clearly uh, explaining something opposite to what was mentioned. Then there must be some explanation because a sign that the Quran is Quran is that there's no contradiction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنِ Have they not pondered over the Quran? وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا if the Qur'an was from other than Allah, they would have found ikhtilaf and contradiction in the Qur'an. So when you see outwardly that there's a verse saying that you can make a bequest for your, for your parent, and another verse saying that the mother gets her sixth, then there must be some sequence of events. Yes, the next question which could be posed is, why is that verse still there? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has 
has cancelled the hukam and the ruling related to that verse, but its recitation will still yield benefits, and it also educates you as to the procedure of revelation. So it's not, it's not free from any benefit. Although the, 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 the ruling contained within that particular verse is no longer applicable, but the students as, and, and weaklings like us, as we go along, we'll say, okay, so this is how it was, this is how the sequence of revelation developed, and this is how we came to the last verse, which was the final instruction with regards to that particular aspect of Sharia. So some wisdoms behind Nasr. I just want to run through this because we, we, we need to start the next lesson as well. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills what is best for us. And um, if it's more difficult, it's also more rewarding. And if it's easier, then it's still blessings. So we remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this easy for us. Those verses in which there's no longer an instruction, but it's just a recitation. You recite those verses, and the first benefit is the reward, and the second benefit is to understand um, the sequence of events. And here's just a simple example to remember that sometimes uh, in our normal day-to-day lives also there are examples where you find one person, a doctor, administering different prescriptions to the same patient. So the patient at one stage had absolutely no um, immune system. The doctor is sitting here, so the doctor knows exactly what this, this patient needs uh, to, 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 to build up his resistance and then gradually adjust the, the, the medication. So does this mean that this doctor doesn't know? Two weeks ago you told me to take this medication and now you've changed your mind. It's not changing your mind. It's merely according to your body's ability changing the, the prescription. Um, what are the, 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 the verses that can be abrogated? So firstly, this is an important thing to remember. Uh, legal rulings can be abrogated. So like the one of, of the bequest. Wasiyah uh, for a warith, for an heir. That was initially the instruction. That's, that's a legal uh, regulation and it can be abrogated. However, aqidah and belief. So it's impossible that there's a verse which says there's only one Allah and now another verse comes and says, okay, you've got an option, you can worship. Other than Allah, you can call. Other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll never have uh, something in aqidah, and, and this not only goes for the Qur'an, for, for all the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam. It's impossible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends one Nabi, and he tells you one aspect of aqidah and tawheed, and another Nabi tells you something else. All of them came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, there might be certain um, rituals and practices which were allowed in a previous sharia. For example... Um, a person in the, in, the, in the sharia of the Bani Israel there was a sujood, a sajda called sajda to ta'zim the sajda of, of respect and uh, revering somebody like in, mentioned in Surah Yusuf that Yusuf alayhi salam when his family eventually came Sayyidina Ya'qub alayhi salam and the rest of the family lahu sujada. They, they made sujood in that sharia it was permissible okay so, um, sujood itself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the malaika to make sujood to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. So, sujood itself is dependent on what the intention is and what you are instructed to do. So, if a person um, makes sujood and, f- if, let's say a person is performing salah behind a pillar, we can't say hey, this person is making shirk because he's, he's uh, prostrating to a pillar, because we know he's not making sujood to the pillar. So sujood is an action, and based on the intention that the person has, 
So now can a person make sujood to someone else? No, in our sharia it's haram. It's totally impermissible. Rasulullah said it's not permissible when the Sahaba who mentioned to him that we saw um, the foreigners prostrating before their kings and their rulers. So they said, can we also do something like that? He said, no. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Sahaba radiallahu asked, will we meet one another, uh, an can we bow? You know, he said, no. And this is something important, especially for those listening over the receivers. Sometimes we have our children doing martial arts, you know. And in the martial arts you have in karate or whatever it is, they do us and they do a bow. So that is impermissible, okay? Because clearly Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has instructed us not, not to bow. So we do not uh, bow to anyone. Uh, and bowing means that the bowing is intended. Why do I say this is? Because in hadith we learn that you can kiss your mother's hand, you can kiss your father's hand, you can kiss your mother's feet, you can kiss your father's feet. So obviously if you're going to kiss your mother's feet, you can't lift your mother's foot up in order for you to kiss it. If you're going to kiss your mother's hand and your father's hand, then you're going to... So there, the kissing is, is intended, not the bowing. So that would be allowed because now somebody will say, but there's a contradiction here. You said we can't bow. So the point here is that the bowing, when it is exclusively bowing, then that will not be allowed in, in Sharia. And therefore, if our children are attending this type of... Yes, it's good that they should... But we, there's no harm in explaining to the teacher that this is something which we would try to avoid. Avoid. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I also do martial arts, so it's not something that we... You can just tell them and then you can just say the words of respect to the teacher and continue, you know. So our sharia, our sharia has got... What? In, in, in the court of law, that's, that's also something... Uh, once I had a friend who was, uh, was an attorney and I, the, the words that they use, like I think, my lord, you know, your worship. Especially in South Africa, they use your worship, you know. So I asked, are there other words which could be used? And uh, um, there might be uh, legal people from the legal fraternity who they know much better if there are alternatives. So if there are alternatives, it would be better for you to use uh, judge or magistrate. You can use those words, uh, which are alternatives. Just as a safety precaution, because we're not bound uh, to restrict ourselves to certain terminologies. Uh, what I don't understand is, sometimes people have an objection to the word Molana. Right, which does have a justifiable explanation, which I which I gave a few weeks ago, and those words which have very limited room for permissibility, they don't have an issue in using those words. So, khairan, back to our lesson where the ulama say that in matters of aqidah, in belief, you're not going to have any two verses uh, contradicting uh, one another, nor can one abrogate another verse in aqidah. Uh, historical facts cannot be abrogated because these are things which have occurred. It cannot be changed. And we have um, fundamental objective moralities, truthfulness, justice. It's not possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs you to, to uh, uphold justice and adal and then in another verse that's cancelled, you no longer have to be. Then what about the verses? What about the verses in which uh, the word... Uh, Qital is mentioned. This is something that we constantly faced with. That the Quran says, "Qatilu fi sabilillah." Fight. And uh, people are—they—they—they're not sure how. How do we respond? Because this verse seems like so violent, and now everybody wants—you know—you you shouldn't be using this type of language anymore. But 
if, if a person just merely understands the context in which the verse is mentioned, what comes before it, what comes after it. So in that particular verse, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ if In Arabic, قَاتِلُوا means fighting with a person who is fighting with you, which is an indication of self-defense. So you don't initiate something with any nation or any people, innocent people. You don't attack people in a masjid. You don't uh, blow yourself up and kill innocent people. You don't kill yourself. It's also haram. And this is a mas'ala which is clear in Sharia, that uh, suicide bombing is absolutely haram. There's absolutely no room for, for permissibility to take your own life. In any of the Sharia, even the, any of the uh, Ibrahimi Sharia, the Abrahamic faiths, Killing yourself is not permissible and killing innocent people and killing them in a place of worship and killing women and children haram, 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 haram upon haram. So anyway, this verse refers to the event where people are attacked and then they defend themselves. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Those who fight with you. But then he says, وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not be unjust. Do not go over the... Do not exceed the limits. What happens if you exceed the limits? إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Allah will not love you. That is worse than going to Jahannam. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, and normally, inna Allah la yuhibbul kafirin is mentioned in the Quran. The love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not for the people who, who are kuffar. And Allah doesn't want um, and, uh, this, uh, this type of oppression to, to spread in this world. Inna Allah la yuhibbul mu'atadin. So the context is actually very important to understand. Um, I know I'm digressing a bit, but I just like to, to share this particular point because constantly we're bombarded with these questions. That, you know, you, this verse, and you'll find people learning specific verses. They say Surah Tawbah is the last chapter to be revealed, and in there they have uh, you, you need to kill or execute people wherever you find them. Okay. فَإِذَا سَلَقَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ فَقْتُلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُهُمْ مَخْضُوهُمْ مَحْصُرُهُمْ قَعُدُ لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَرْصَدٍ Those verses. Were revealed in a particular context after 23 years of oppression, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> gave them respite to the mushrikeen of Makkah who were the ones abusing and torturing and cursing and harming. Within four months, you need to find another place. You can migrate and go somewhere else. We need to uh, settle the nation of, of Islam in Makkah Mukarramah. And the nation of Islam, I mean the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, not the, the okay. <clears throat> so those who those who still come into confrontation then wherever you find them then you may put them to the end because they are now no longer wanting peace and stability they are the ones causing mischief and corruption because they constantly want conflict and then the verse after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ the same chapter that they quote for violence Allah says وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ if any of the mushrikeen, they seek protection. They say, no, I, I want protection. I want a visa. I want amnesty. Then you give him amnesty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't say, no, you kill him, don't worry about amnesty and leave all that. Now they did 23 years of oppression, you can take revenge. No. And give him the opportunity to hear the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then if he's not interested in embracing Islam, you cannot force him. Then you allow him passage to a place of his safety and security. Wherever he wants to go, you take him, you ensure that he is transported 
to a place of safety. Those verses in the same chapter of the fighting will not be highlighted by the people who wish to say that you see in the Quran you've got this murder and killing. So understanding the, the basic fundamental moralities of justice is constant throughout the Quran. It's not possible that somebody could say, hey, but Surah Tawbah has got that verse of killing. How can it be uh, justice in the Quran? We know that the Quran is, is, has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us guidelines for every aspect of our life. It's not only my personal life, it's the life of our society and community. And it gives us guidelines as to how to establish stability in, in society. So it's not just a, a simple um, a book of do's and don'ts where a person uh, has got no option to understand the context in which the verses were revealed. So this is very important. We will never find any of these verses abrogated, nor does the aspect of nasq and abrogation apply to it. Uh, the last thing is uh, the previous habits of jahiliyyah. So the, if, if they were, uh, Islam has cancelled it, you're not going to get a verse that say, okay, it was cancelled temporarily and now you're allowed to do it again. And nasq, abrogation is taken into consideration when there's a real contradiction Contradiction in inverted commas uh, between two ayat. Okay, how many ayat are mansukh? Now, to understand this, we did touch on it last week. We said that uh, between the, the earlier scholars and the later scholars, there's, there's a difference in explaining the aspect of, of, of abrogation. Sometimes there's one verse which explains a particular thing, and another verse just clarifies one part of that verse. So some scholars would count that as abrogation. It's an abrogation in the verse. They would include that as a verse which falls amongst the, the verses of being abrogated. And uh, this is why you'll find uh, 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 variant numbers mentioned by certain scholars. Some count certain verses as being abrogated. And the last one you can see is Shah Waliullah Muhaddid Dahalwi. He's one of the later scholars of uh, Ahlul Sunnah. He says all of them can be reconciled. There's basically five verses in which you, you need to acknowledge that, okay, there is a sequence here. The first one was revealed, and then thereafter, uh, another verse was, was revealed with uh, a variant hukum from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the other verses from on top, from Qatada and uh, Muhammad ibn Hazm, Abu Ja'far al-Nahas, all of them, they can be reconciled and explained how the verses relate to one another. Okay, the types of abrogation. Your first is... Uh, just recapping some of the, the points that we did discuss Quran with Quran in other words there's a verse revealed in Quran and another verse comes thereafter like the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the mu'mineen when you go to the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and give sadaqah and said Ali radiallahu anh said I was one of the I was the, the fortunate person to be able to make amal on this verse because the next verse revealed after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it's no longer obligatory to give sadaqah you can just do your, your acts of ibadah and worship diligently and that would be good enough so the first type of abrogation is when a verse of the Quran abrogates uh, something which preceded it in the Quran then we have Quran by hadith like the example of the inheritance there is no bequest for an inheritor so this hadith is mentioned by Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah it clarifies that the verse in which there is mention of bequest for uh, the parents or an heir uh, through the explanation of this hadith, we understand that it no longer is applicable, but there is also another verse, as we explained, uh, which gives greater detail to this point of an, uh, an heir uh, not receiving a bequest. Then we have hadith by Quran. 
The example for that is the Qibla change. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, for a period of time they were making a salah facing Masjid al-Aqsa. Right? And we know in, on the first page of the second juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا That we have most certainly seen you turning your face towards the heavens, right towards the heavens, because that's where Jibreel السلام, would come from. Most certainly we will turn you to the Qibla which pleases you. Which means that Rasulullah was facing a Qibla which uh, he was now saddened that he had to, in Makkah Mukarramah, the ulama say Rasulullah was facing that side of the Kaaba which was facing Masjid al-Aqsa. So he would be facing both. But now when you come into Medina, Medina Munawwara, Medina Munawwara is north of, of Makkah Mukarramah. Makkah Mukarramah is south, Medina is north, and Bilad al-Sham, Palestine, is further north. So when he was in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, he could stand and face the Kaaba also, which is facing the north in Jerusalem. But now when he comes to Medina, he has to face south towards Makkah Mukarramah. Now he can no longer face uh, the north of Masjid al-Aqsa. The point here is that the instruction to face Masjid al-Aqsa is not in the Quran. If you see, there's no verse in the Quran saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that makes salat to Masjid al-Aqsa. So that instruction was given in hadith. But that ruling was abrogated by this particular verse. So sometimes abrogation is a hadith and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam been instructed through wahi and he instructed the sahaba so the hadith is the saying of Rasulullah sallallahu instructing them to perform salat towards Masjid al-Aqsa and now this verse comes and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this particular verse is a very amazing verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we will turn you towards the qibla which pleases you they say that the Anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam, all of them, they constantly went out of their way and they wanted to make sure that they please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing him, I'll give you a qibla which pleases you to please Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, they say, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, he made a dua, he said, Rabbish rahli sadri. Oh Allah, open my heart and my, my chest for the revelation. amri, Make my task easy for me. And release and open this knot which I have, this difficulty I have in my speech. And they say, For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Without asking. Musa alayhi salam asked Allah, Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Without asking, Allah says, Have you not opened your chest? وَوَضَعْنَا عَنْكَ وِزْرَكَ Musa salam said وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي Make my task easy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we have taken the load off your shoulders so yeah, in fact uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam uh, he made dua that Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes, elevates his name in the generations to come before qiyamah he said um, وَجَعَلْ لِي لِسَانِ صِدْقٍ فِي الْآخِرِينَ Allah, make, give me an honest and a beautiful mention in the nations to come. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevated his name so much that till qiyamah when you say, La ilaha illallah, you have to say Muhammadur Rasulullah 
sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is one of those verses which elevate and show the, the rank of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's another hadith here, uh, of an explanation, example of, of abrogation, hadith by hadith, visiting of graves. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith says, which is narrated by Imam Abu Dawood, كُنْتُ نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ زِيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ أَلَا فَزُورُوهَا فَإِنَّهَا تُرِقُّ الْقُلُوبِ وَتُدْمِعُ الْعَيْنِ وَتُذَكِّرُ الْآخِرَةِ I used to prevent you from visiting the, the graves. أَلَا فَزُورُوهَا Listen carefully, now you should visit them. And this was the practice of Rasulullah sallallahu to go to the Qabristan and to visit the graves and to make dua. And especially the dua of Anbiya alayhim salam the, 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 the qubur, the graves of the Anbiya alayhim salam or pious people. Why? Not because the pious person can do anything for you. The pious person, they cannot do anything independently of Allah. Even a Nabi, independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are the creation of Allah. But the graves of these pious people are places frequented by malaika. Why? Let's say, for example, you have Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. Just one example. It's an easy example to him. Take us any Sahabi or take Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when a person, after he passes away, he did something good, which is sadaqa jariya, right? The thawab is presented to him in his grave. In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that when a good deed is done for a person who is deceased, they receive it in a form of gifts and they become pleased with, the, with receiving that the way you become pleased with receiving a gift in this dunya. So a person, he prepared something, some khidmah, some goodness for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the thawab is being documented in his name. He did this one good deed, or he prepared this book, or he did this generous thing. He built a masjid, or he built a madrasa, or he looked after us. And, and the thawab is now coming to him in his grave. Who brings the thawab to him? The malaika. So the malaika are the ones that are coming to and from to, to show him what he's been receiving from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now... You, you visit the grave of that person, you make du'a for that person, and uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala readily accepts the du'a because the amin is being said by the, by the malaika. But because in jahiliyyah they used to worship those who, who, who died and go to the graves and do things which were impermissible, initially Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi prohibited it, and he said, now you should go and visit the graves. Why? فَإِنَّهَا تُرِقُّ الْقُلُوبِ It makes your heart soft. May Allah make it like that because unfortunately the way... We're seeing our, our brothers conducting and behaving themselves in the, in the maqbara at the time of a janazah. We're talking of, you know, uh, sports and we're talking of various things. And the ulama say that's a sign of, of the heart becoming hard. If you are unable to think of your own death, you are unable to think uh, of akhirah at the time of death, then when are we going to think of it? So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Go to the, the, the cemetery and the qubur, it, makes the, it softens the heart. It allows your your eye to shed tears which is a sign of good spiritual health if you can cry it's a sign of good spiritual health the sahaba radiallahu anhum if they couldn't cry they would think there's something wrong one sahabi said to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam my heart my heart is extremely hard because i can't cry and we should also check you know sometimes we think it's uh, it's a sign of being tough and you're, you're a strong man that you can't cry the sahaba if they couldn't cry they felt that there's something wrong in their hearts. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told him that in qaswat al-qalb min kathrati al-dhunub that the hardness of your heart is actually because of sinning. And a person sins because uh, he's got uh, long ambitions and he's got a lot of plans 
and he has those, lot of those plans because he's forgotten that he's going to die. And he's forgetting that he has to die because he's got love of dunya in his heart. So going to the, the Qabristan is something which, which softens the heart. It makes the eye flow. So you turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It reminds you of the akhirah. This is what we discussed already. One of the reasons why are these verses still kept in the Quran. Uh, so to remember the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That this was a sequence of, of events. How it was revealed. And um, the Qur'an, even if not acted upon, you will still get the reward of the recitation. So any verse, any letter of the Qur'an, you will still get the full reward of 10 rewards per harf, per letter. And that was the last part of that, inshallah. The next lesson will be on uh, aspects of tajweed and recitation of Qur'an, inshallah. The proofs from uh, sharia. And this is also one of the, 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 the topics under ulum al-Qur'an. One is the the things we have been discussing, and uh, the next lesson, inshallah, will just be related to the importance of correct recitation and tajweed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us all the understanding to prepare as we come closer to the month of Ramadan uh, to ensure that we are allocating times for the various a'mal of deen. And just as a reminder, some, sometimes you know, we, we sit in this type of gatherings and we think, okay, we sat for half an hour and we listen to all these things. What is the benefit? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Sayyidina for you to wake up in the morning and learn one aspect of deen. Whether you practice on it or not, you just learn something, you learn a few points. So even one, from all what we discussed today, even if you just, if you just wondered, the reason we have uh, the, the, these verses remain in the Qur'an is so that we know the sequence of revelation. That's one point. The virtue of this Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it's better than performing 1,000 rakats of nafl salah. Khayrun min an alfa rakaatin. And if you learn one verse of the Qur'an, wal-asr, one verse. Inna a'atayna kal one verse. It's better than 100 rakats of nafl salah. So this time is not wasted. We should uh, you know, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's given us all the tawfiq that we can share this time together. And these are the gardens of Jannah in the dunya. In the house of Allah, Allah gives us tawfiq to do this. May Allah give us istiqamah and steadfastness to continue, inshaAllah.